0: hello mustang fans and welcome to another ford performance edition of the mustang owners podcast i'm your host john clore and as the enthusiast communications manager for ford performance I hope that you are reading my efforts in the enthusiast section of FordPerformance.com every single week. And as always, my co-host is Mustang Hobby Guru Mike Ray, who also happens to be the president of Moxem, which is the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan. Mike, tonight we go into our Ford Friends list. And I say the word friends because you never know. <laughs> but we went into the <laughs> we went into our list and we said, you know what? We got to talk to somebody who can really tell us about this wonderful world of performance that a lot of people don't really know all the the behind-the-scenes things that go on at Ford. And you and I happen to know this guy, and I think this is going to be a really different kind of podcast tonight.
1: No, it's really cool because I've known our guest for uh for many years now and um we've heard him speak a couple times at Moxa meetings and it's always very intriguing and you just want to hear what was next, what was next, what was next. And he's also gonna be a big part of our big SBT um reunion, 30 year bash for Mustang Memories.
0: Absolutely. If we don't give him a a starring role or at least a uh you know, a worker role helping us find people. Uh,
1: it'll be a working role for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to keep the suspense any longer tonight. Our special guest on the podcast is Mark Wilson, who is Ford's North America vehicle personalization planning and operations manager. A big long title, but when I say the words vehicle personalization, it might give you a clue of all the things that Mark gets to do. Mark, thank you for joining us and welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Are you kidding? Mark, we really are excited for having the opportunity to talk to you because the cool thing is we know, Mike and I, (laughs) we've known you for a while, and we happen to know that we're going to let the secret out. You are a real honest to God enthusiast working in an enthusiast position, so you don't have to like figure it out. You kind of know the hobby and to work at vehicle personalization and be in that position and actually know what you're doing is a blessing for ford motor company so congrats on the uh on this you know very important role
2: you guys are way too kind to me way too kind well, so um <laughs>
0: <laughs> no it is important and we know you despite your acerbic qualities you are uh you're you're a you're a performance guy
2: yeah i am i am actually it uh that's that's the only reason well, not the only reason but that's why i work at ford to be honest with you guys um well, were you like Mike this? Ray
0: rolling in your five zero, and then someday decided you wanted to work at Ford Motor Company?
2: You know you know what? You guys want to hear the real story? Yes, uh, we might, do. That's why you're on the
0: podcast. Yeah.
2: It might take 32 minutes, but I'll start. Okay. I'll, I'll try to condense it down to five minutes. So um, I, I, I've been a Ford enthusiast my entire life. Uh, my first car, 72 Mustang convertible. I wanted a 71 Mach 1 with the 420 Cobra Jet. Couldn't find it. And I drove past this convertible. And you're, when you're 15 and you put the top down. vehicle sold right um and uh drove that for a few years and i went through uh i I bought a a bunch of other mustangs as well as when i was a teenager always kept that 72 but um when i went to college i would spend my my days after school driving through the uh, back roads of wisconsin looking for cars behind barns and (laughs) digging through newspapers looking for cars for sale and things like that and I think, I think I tried to count it once. It was like 38 cars. I had 38 Mustangs I had bought before I was 23 years old. Oh, and yeah. yeah. And I kept a few of them. I kept, I, I, I bought a Boss 302 that I kept, the 69 Boss 302 built on, on the first day of production. Um, I bought a uh, 70 Mach 1 with 420 Cobra Jet 4-speed Q-code car that I still have today, um, found down the side of a road just uh neglected and and uh, waiting for uh, someone to save it and uh, was able to track down the original of that car found out that he was he was 16 years old his sister co-signed the car for him out of rochester minnesota and the only reason he bought it was to beat some guy from high school that had a 440 six-pack <laughs> super b and he did beat him by the way Yeah. so exactly exactly so um I've just been an enthusiast my entire life and, and um, I went to school as a, as a electrical engineer and um, one day on the board, I, uh, and the, on the job posting board, there was a position from Ford Motor Company and um, there were 20, I think it was 20 positions and all the names were already filled in. There were names there. I actually wrote 21 and put my name on the, on the list. (laughs) Fast forward a couple more, a couple days later, I was, I was um, out playing football behind our house and I f- had forgotten about the, the, uh, interview or the, or the open house. And so at the school, they had a, a deal. If you didn't, if you signed up and didn't attend the open house and you couldn't interview on campus, So it was a pretty big deal to attend these things. Yeah. So one of my friends who's playing with us, he was actually going to interview. He was further up on the legitimate list <laughs> and, um, he, he was leaving, I said, "What are you doing? you know we're in He's, he Oh, I have the Ford interview. I'm like, "Oh crap, that's right. So I uh ran home, got changed, ran down to the open house, I opened the doors, I'm like four or five minutes late, and everybody's in a suit except for me no. and there's like and it's like it's like the church you know when the door opens up and everyone turns around and looks, you know, and there's that guy, <laughs> the awkward guy at the back of the church and i'm there and i'm just in. i think it was jeans and it probably it was probably a button-up shirt i hope it was um and i walk in and there's not one seat in this house except for right in the front row (laughs) so i have to walk right down the middle sit in the front row and uh guy uh the guy says well at least one of you had the decency to dress casual today and i was like "Oh, okay i'm you know i'm in the right place obviously and so afterwards you know i walked up and said hey i i got to be honest with you i'm i'm the 21st person on the list and um of the 20 I person know, interview yeah i know you're only interviewed 20 and he says you know what i i appreciate your enthusiasm why don't you come come uh come by at about 4 four thirty, and i'll see if i can fit you in wow and so when i came in i sat down it was like 4 15 or so and there were like five people still sitting there and this is on a Friday, by the way. Oh no! And, and so I'm like, there's no way, <laughs> you know, and and um, he ended up he, he came out and he said, hey, guys, I'm going to interview everybody. So don't worry about it. And uh, I got in at like five forty five and I think we finished up at like six forty or so. Oh, wow. And, you know, he told me um, you're exactly what we're looking for. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll see you in Detroit. And then uh, the rest is uh, history from there.
0: So you were hired in as a Ford lunatic, which was yep. helpful. And then Mike and I know you, so we know you writing in. a. Here's a 20-person list. You're writing in 21. And I'm putting your name in. That's exactly like you. We know yep. how you work. So, so, so what were the first couple of jobs? I mean, did you want to, uh, on the engineering side? I mean, because you, you drifted your way toward all the performance and You weren't engineering door hinges for the Fusion.
2: No. So... I, I love the automotive business. I really do. And and I wanted to understand the business from beginning to end. And so what better place to start than the end, right? Um, I actually started my career at Ford answering the phones at the customer assistance center. Yes. In, in, yep. In in Detroit at the Renaissance Center. And um, I weaseled my way over to a group there called the Tech Quad. And our job was to answer uh, phone calls for, of, te- of technical nature. And one of the things that we did was we wrote emissions letters for people that were coming from, or, I'm sorry, importing a car from Canada or outside the U.S. back into the U.S. Okay. And and we have to say that, you know, the vehicle was built with U.S. emissions or whatever. And so what I do is I'd write the VIN number on this on this piece of paper. I'd send it to this person and they'd send me back this report. And from this report, uh, it's called a NAVUS report. I can actually look at the codes and figure out what options were on the car, and we were only looking at the emissions options. Right. But being an enthusiast, I quickly <laughs> realized that wait a minute, this is like all the codes from yeah, all Davis the options. Yeah, this is everything. Yeah. So so I start pulling out you know my seventy Mach One, my Boss Three O Two, and I ran those vehicles through it, and I was able to figure out what the original options on the car were, and um, it became a really big deal. And and I, I started to get a couple of interesting bins that would come in. Um, you know, some of them uh, were, you know, it, your, your, uh, enthusiasm, other G codes, Boss twos and R's for 420 core jets and stuff. And, and I, and I was talking to these customers and I said, Hey, do you know what your vehicle, re- how it was originally equipped? And they're like, uh, no, I don't. And so I started telling them this stuff and they're like, could you put that on a piece of paper? And I said, yeah, I can, I'll put on a piece of Ford letterhead. And I talked to my, my uh, boss at the time about it, Dan Terry. And he said, yeah, I don't see why we can do that. And so we started doing these, these paper, these letters that would basically show what all the options were on the vehicle did that, and that become
0: was, that ford 999 it, report yes it
2: did yep you are it, the it father did. of
0: the 999 yeah, i know it's ladies crazy, and gentlemen it? did you hear that we have the father of the 999 reports which and were then the yeah. first yeah that is awesome i didn't even know that about you mark
2: yep and if you uh if there, there's a few letters out there with my names on them uh i, I uh, saw one in new jersey once at a car show there and uh there yep
1: Mike, did you know that about this, this? I did not. Mark's always full of surprises for us. He's like the he's like the Kevin Marty of Ford Motor Company. I go Maybe well. without Mark, there wouldn't have been a Kevin Marty. You never know. Well, yeah,
0: I mean, yeah. So, so let's let's fast forward a little bit. You, uh, you obviously you, you had the technical stuff down. You were an enthusiast, uh, so it probably wasn't weird that you gravitated towards the niche vehicle marketing stuff. Uh, you know, the special vehicle team and the Ford racing programs. Those things had to be, how do you weasel your way into those?
2: So I, um, I, after I was at the customer assistance center, I went out to Boston and I was a field service engineer there. Cause I wanted to learn how to do the, you know, how the dealers worked. Um, from there, I went and worked at the Kentucky truck plant on the super duty mm-hmm. program and excursion program on the plant vehicle team. And I got a call one day from my, my manager that said, um, I got good news and bad news. Good news is, or bad news is, you have to move. I was like, okay, that's bad. What's the good news? And she said, I, I can, you can pick from three different plants where you want to work. I'm like, hmm. I said, uh, what are they? And she said, Dearborn, uh, Michigan truck, and I think it was Twin Cities at the time, which was actually where I was from, so it was kind of interesting. And I said, well, you know which one I want. She goes, yeah, you want Dearborn, don't you? Because at the time, that's where we built the Mustangs. That's right. And so I said, "Heck yeah!" So moved up to Mustang. That was actually my first official introduction to Team Mustang. Wow! And I worked worked on the plant vehicle team. Started in October of 2000, wow. and uh, they had just finished up the. Um, actually, when I first went, it was like I think it was January, April or May, mm-hmm. and there was still a, there was still a 2000 Cobra R at the plant. Yep. And and I, I'll never forget that walking in and seeing that car there on the on the uh, in the show area. Yeah. And, wow. Bam. It, was just, it was just cool, right? And oh, and sure. so I got to work at the plant, uh, met Nick Terzies, uh, who, who you guys know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he and I met there. And um, it was just such a fantastic place to be. And, you know, being there for the bullet launch and the, the 2001 Cobra launch, and then working on the Terminator. Um it was just, it was just absolutely fantastic. It, it, it was a very special time. It, it was, you know, the place kind of run down and old, but my goodness, kind of run down
0: a hundred years old. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But, 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 but as, was, as an enthusiast, so. Cool.
0: Yeah. But the heritage there, you almost could, I mean, you could feel it, uh, sitting through DAP was just, it, just a special place. I and, mean,
2: uh, you're it, right. It was and it you was guys a very, coming very out, of out of there,
0: place. you know, going to Flat Rock, that was a Mazda plant, but you guys coming out of the DAP, the assembly was just neat. And to see SN95s getting built and Uh, that had to be cool but the bottom line i think for everybody that should know you is you really became super interested in the special vehicle team and how it was so dynamic and the kind of products that the the team up there coletti and all the group of engineers are putting out you really bonded with those guys and and you felt that um you know but there was a, a a rift mark and i don't know if i you know, a lot of people didn't realize that John was making cars for the street, but Dan Rivard at racing was making cars for part, the parts program. And some of the racing parts were, were developed without talking to SVT and vice versa. Uh, And so is that one of the reasons why you wanted to go to racing to see if there was some kind of way you could bring the two (laughs) operations together?
2: Yeah. You know, it's all, it's always the dream as an enthusiast, right? At the working level, you know, we all got along but sometimes our, our leaders, you know, had different ideas. <laughs> and and so um, as we went through, and I, and I worked in, in different jobs, I was able to work on the uh, S-197. I was part of the development team of that vehicle. And um, I worked on a really, with a very interesting team. First of all, that vehicle, the S-197, was built by enthusiasts for enthusiasts. Yep. It was such a, as an enthusiast working at Ford, it was amazing. Um, you had, having Art Hyde, you know, at the helm and then um and then uh Dave Parisac. It was just amazing, right? Well, and, Mike
0: Ray and I both own uh S one ninety sevens. We we, we yep. feel that same thing with that car. But yeah, you guys were right in the thick of that.
2: Yep. And, and I actually worked with a group whose job it was to make sure that the vehicle was able to be modified easily by customers in the aftermarket. Wow. That's, how, that's how much we cared about the customer in the aftermarket with that car. And, and, and I can point to pieces of the vehicle that I directly had an effect on. If you look at every cross member, front cross member on every S197, there's a little jagged mark on the up and down on the front of it. And that's because one of the requirements we had for the vehicle was that you have to be able to jack up the front of the vehicle from the cross member and also from the rear rear axle pumpkin and because when you know those of us at drag race and road race that's how yep. we jack up the vehicle to change the tires right but but that's, that wasn't a requirement when they were building the vehicle right. and so we actually changed the front and the back of the car to to wow. accommodate that and you look at the exhaust on that car uh, at the time um i can think of the lincoln ls it had a single piece exhaust went from the kelly from the header sorry uh, exhaust manifold to the uh, muffler all the way then split. and that yep. was and that was kind of the company edict was one sure. piece exhaust and on the s197 it was a two-piece exhaust with a clamp that's right over the rear axle so that you could remove replace the rear mufflers in your driveway with simple hand tools and that was the requirement from the group on, on how we had to develop that exhaust and and there's other examples that go on and on and on well that but, shows
0: you i mean that's mainstream Team mustang
2: yep that's not
0: yep. SVT. That's so What was there.
2: great what was great though in that same team we had the SVT the SVT team there and we also had the the racing guys there as well. Oh, okay. Because because they were developing um a race car, the FR500C. Right. right. Right? And SVT was working on, you know, the the to be named uh, the 2008 Shelby, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so um all of us were kind of working together to understand what we could do to to prepare the car for what we knew was coming right so that was that was the first time that we all really worked together as a team at the working level to um to really try to try to work towards one common goal
0: so was it during those days when the phone calls started coming from mike Gray saying he's going to be throwing mustang memories and he wants to know if ford uh, racing parts had anything to donate for the auctions and is that when you first got in touch with
2: with mike so you know what i don't really know where mike and i first met i think we met at a club meeting actually if i'm not what? mistaken
0: mike yeah. when did you first run into this guy do you, do yeah i, I think
1: mark's right i think we met at a moxham meeting um yeah i think so yeah because back then uh, john what you were saying about product raffle gifts and stuff it was joe king back then
0: oh that's right yep yep yeah so that's where right. that's
1: where that all started and uh now it's mark wilson so speaking of mark what can i get for the product for <laughs> yeah, exactly. 2022
2: let me, dig through, <laughs> let me dig through the drawers here Let's see what we have
1: he never he never quits he never thanks, yep. for, the, th- thanks for the intro there john
2: <laughs> <laughs> no well mark, but I, no, I remember my, though that that i remember though that everyone kept telling me you got to meet this mike ray guy you got to meet this mike ray guy yeah, he's he's yeah. like the he's like the guy and. Um, and yeah, now you know that's not all true. Well, you know, there's, there's the great Oz, right? And, <laughs> yeah, Mike, is, Mike is the great Oz. No, but, but, but seriously, it's no, people you, like Mike, though, that, that as, as, you know, as, a, as an enthusiast within the company, it's people like Mike who, who I work for, right? That, that they, they, they just wait for every, you know, what's next? What's next? What's the next thing, right? And, and our job is to make sure it's better, 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 better.
0: Well, it's kind of surprising so many of you would kind of drifted into the club scene because, you know, you you're busy, you're working. I mean, you didn't have to go to these events, and but you guys seem like you all wanted to get involved in the hobby on the grassroots side, on the club side, just to know what's going on.
2: Yeah, it's you know, it's the funny thing is it's a two way street, Um, and I I realize that we often forget how lucky we are to do what we do, and and I'm sure you, John, you see this all the time working with the team, right? You're just sitting there in awe at what some of these people are doing and they're just doing their daily job, right? Yeah. They don't even realize it. I, I, I used to have a a, um, a sign in my office that said someday people are going to write a book about what we delivered. And, and people always ask me about that. And um, you know, the Cal special, when the Cal special came and I worked on that program and, and the day that was approved that we got that name, the team was so proud of the yeah. fact that we were bringing back the Cal Special, and ha- some people in the group had no clue what we were talking about, right? But but I knew that um, you know people like Paul Newt, Newton yep. from the, the Registry all knew, knew it. it, all knew yep. it, that that he would be ecstatic. And I met Paul, and I reached out to Paul even, and and kind of told him what we were doing. And he was just ecstatic, <laughs> absolutely ecstatic. And and when you can do things like that for, for people and really connect on a personal level and and realize that, you know, people can choose whatever vehicle they want out there, right? They don't have to buy a Ford. They don't have to buy a Mustang, but, but if we can show them that we, we actually listen to them and take them into consideration when we do something, I think it really forms a bond with the customer. And, and it's always good to remember that. And it's always good to go out to the events and, and see what people do with the vehicles. Um, we've gotten many ideas from what customers have done with vehicles and, and, um, you know, also make them realize that they are important and we we appreciate them spending their personal time, you know, working or not working, but playing with Ford products because they could be choosing to do anything they wanted to do. But instead they're sitting in some parking lot, right. Looking at, looking at pieces of metal and uh, talking about the stories that the, that they've experienced with those.
0: Yeah. And and there's guys, I mean, we actually, believe it or not, Mark had uh, featured Paul Newitt on one of our Mustang owners podcasts to talk about his California Genesis with the uh, the entire community around the California Special, and yep. and and it, there are so many people like that. It's just that it's, there's too many people on the marketing side of Ford that don't get the exposure to the enthusiast community that they need. Whereas you guys from the engineering side seem to have a better grasp. I mean, Art Hyde was writing uh, a column for Mustang Times long before my you know thirteen years of doing it long before I even started it. And that was, he's an engineer, not a marketing guy. So why is it that the, the gear heads, the engineer guys who are, you know, just too much work really for the amount of hours you have in a week, still spending their weekends, hanging out with the car folks.
2: I, I think it's just, they just love what they do. And, and, and it's not just the, just not the engineers. It's, it's everybody, right? I've got people that work for me right now. And, and I, seek them out in the company and and bring them into vehicle personalization, either under the genuine Ford accessories umbrella or the Ford performance parts umbrella. And because I know that ultimately this is where they want to be. Right. And, and whether they stay or whether they just pass through, get some experience with us and then move on to another job, perfectly fine. Right. But um, I know that I can always reach out to those people and ask them for help if I ever need anything. Well,
0: you're, but you're a Mustang guy and I know you have, I know we we heard about your move and how you got your 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 building going and how many mustangs do you have right now, Mark?
2: I've got eleven.
0: Oh my lord! What are you, the Mel the Marcos of Mustangs? Uh,
2: you know I've got eleven
0: Mustang. You can't drive
2: yeah. them. Well, you know it's yeah, it's true. I can't drive them all at once, and and some of them are projects waiting for me to retire. Um, <laughs> you know, but um. But yeah. it's it just, you know, it's it's one of those things that uh, it, it, the stories behind the cars are just absolutely fantastic. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and everybody's at a Mustang story. Yep. Everybody does that. When my wife, we laugh, my my oldest daughter's name is Shelby. And when we were in the uh, when we were in the, the room and she was delivering, I said, before anybody does anything, I want to know how many people in here either have owned a Mustang or some of their family have owned a Mustang. And I'm not kidding. Three quarters of the people in the room raise their hand. Oh, well, I have. Yeah, it has to you be, you know. Yep. And, and you just realize how powerful it is, right?
0: Well, I mean, despite your efforts and, you know, all the things you brought to market and, you know, working with the aftermarket to, to get Ford. I mean, I, I know, Mike, what did you say? Like SEMA was talking about the Mustang being the most, didn't you say something, Mike, about the, being the most modified car in, the,
1: in all of the, yeah, so the world? Yeah, Jeep was the most modified vehicle in the world. Uh, right. Mustang is the most modified car in the world.
0: I mean, so many parts come to market, and if the and if the OEM does not work with the aftermarket, those parts are just slow and and that is not as effective. In well,
1: here's another thing to touch on Mark's current position, too, is Bronco now is becoming one of the most modified vehicles now. Yeah. Uh, to give people a little run.
0: Yeah, and uh, let's talk about that, because now with vehicle personalization, Bronco has got both feet in that game. And did you know, I don't know if you knew this, Mark, Mike Ray, who for years have been known for Moxum, now has Boxum.
2: I was at the Boxum meet a couple weeks ago. <laughs> oh, my God. At, at Fort Garage. So yeah. are you yeah.
0: actively involved in the Bronco aftermarket parts business?
2: I've been actively involved in the Bronco parts aftermarket parts business since uh, 2017. What? So, wow. um, yeah, yep.
0: So, do you? It's, obviously, it's another iconic Ford product, and this is, is not the Bronco Owners Podcast. It's still the
2: Mustang Owners Podcast. Well, Mark, group. tell them what you drive every day. <laughs> you know, what do I drive? Every, I work at home now, so I really don't drive that far. But, um,
0: Well you just I guess, you,
2: the, I guess you drive the on the
0: Jets Pizza to pick up your pizza. What do you drive?
2: The politically correct answer is whatever I want, right? Yeah, um, correct. But, That's what Dale
1: Halderman said.
2: Okay, good. <laughs> I passed that test. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we've got a great fleet of vehicles and, and we've got a lot of testing that we need to do on the parts to make sure that they're they're meeting the, the customer's expectations. And, um, you know, we've, we're all in on Bronco, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we've got over 350 accessories on Bronco and counting <laughs> every day it goes up. And um, that the vehicle was, I can tell you that it was developed from day one to be modified. And there was a, there was a, group of very dedicated people in, in my team and also the base program team, whose job it was to make sure that um, despite all of the regulations and everything, all the requirements that you have on that vehicle, that it was able to be modified. And um, did we did we succeed on everything? No, we didn't, right? Mm-hmm. I'll be the first one to say that. But I will tell you that um, the vehicle is far more um, modification friendly than it could be and it will get better over time as well. There's some things that we're we're, we're going to be doing to the vehicle. Um, some of them were announced in 23 and um, in, in future years that, that will help it get get even better. So well, I'm on, excited for what the future holds.
0: On the club side, you know, the you know, there's there is huge interest in these trucks and off-roading and all that. But for the average person that deals with us on the Mustang world, they yep. asked one question most of vehicle personalization, and I know you have an entire team. In fact, they think they spoke at a, at a Moxa meeting uh, about restoration parts. But yeah. enthusiasts are still very interested in Ford's help getting some, uh, how would you say, long out of market but highly desirable parts back in the system. Is there any thought of vehicle personalization helping those not too old Mustangs stay on the road?
2: there absolutely is john and and um the interesting part about this discussion is that if you think about a 65 mustang a 65 mustang is is no offense to anybody it's a pretty simple car right from from an from an automotive standpoint anybody can work on it right it's it's pretty simple there's there's not not a lot of voodoo in it but you start getting into the the Fox body, even a little bit right still still a pretty basic car most people work on it, but once you start getting beyond that, and the s one ninety seven was the last um i'll call it fly by wire car or last i'm sorry mechanical car we had after that it was can bus and fly by wire yeah and and the vehicles got a lot more complicated and um what i'm seeing is that if we are going to be if, if we are going to sustain Mustangs for a long period of time. Yeah. Um, we've got to get in there and we've got to help the customers um, break through some of the pain points that they may have down the road. Meaning there are some parts that may not be, there may not be an aftermarket replacement for it. And if you don't buy it from Ford, you're going to be digging through junkyards, hoping you find the right one Yeah, out of the, out of the five modules, you know, that there are <laughs> there and that all look exactly the same, by the way, you need the, the one yeah. with a certain calibration. And, oh and there's God. no way to tell what's in there. Right. So, so we're looking at that very seriously because, um, I, I see that potentially becoming a problem down the road.
0: Yeah. Little se- electronic sensors that are not going to yep. get re and yep. those when they fail and they say they're not anywhere in any warehouse and you can't get them like a, 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 a Chinese knockoff. Well, you, you just don't want to park your car. You, right. you, right. you want to be able to drive it. And I know Mike Ray refuses to pull out his small block and put in a, uh, the electric motor out of his Whirlpool washer. He just won't do it. <laughs> so, you, so you're saying the Ford Motor Company is actively looking at the possibility of getting involved in helping some, at least, say, from the Fox body. Or I understand, you know, from there on, there's more and more sensors. There's more and more things that can go bad. And there's fewer of those parts sitting in warehouses anywhere. So you, yep. you think that the company is, is actually looking into the possibility of helping out?
2: I can tell you we're definitely looking at it. Haven't made any commitments on anything yet, but we're definitely looking at it. It's it's something that 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 we need to definitely we, we have to look at, right? Well,
0: e- a lot of companies don't, Mark. And the fact that you've announced that tonight that it just makes people feel better that you're and the reason I think that happens, Mike, be you can try to disagree with me if you want, but I think it's because an enthusiast is in that position to say, hey, we should be looking at this.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, he knows what's out there and what the people want. And like Parasek said, you know, that's the one good thing about Ford is that, you know, Ford listens to, to the their enthusiast, right? I mean, like you said, it's like preaching to the choir. That's the customers. That's your core customers. That's your grassroots customers. And that's who's going to be buying all your products. So it really makes sense to listen to them and try to provide what they can, you know, as long as it's uh, it's reasonable. And yeah i mean and the fox body era is coming up like insanely right now oh, which God. i know also mark's heavily involved in and that's something else that it probably needs to be on the radar or probably already is
2: absolutely absolutely As the owner of a 93 cobra and a 93 cobra r i'm uh, definitely vested in the uh in the fox body market for sure and i
1: got a 93 gt convertible
2: <laughs> so nice.
1: yeah
0: you guys i'm telling you uh th- th- there's a lot of opportunity there and i'm just happy that to know that ford still is looking at possibilities of jumping in these these this wonderful army of enthusiasts these i think that's part mark why mustang is what it is is because after 58 years the the, the company still is involved in helping people celebrate the car
2: absolutely absolutely i mean you look at the mach one that came out and i don't know oh. if you guys have had a chance to drive one. Oh yeah but but um you know kind of came out kind of quiet right there wasn't yeah. uh, you know, national commercials. There wasn't the uh, Goodyear blimps, you know, with with vehicles on the side them or anything like that. <laughs> but my goodness, that vehicle is absolutely amazing, and it is, in my opinion, it's one of the most underappreciated modern cars. Um, you look at the lightning lap speeds at at VIR and stuff, and it is just amazing. It really. I is. agree,
1: Mark, a thousand percent.
0: Yeah, these what we're having. I really think this is the glory days of muscle cars, not. Nineteen
2: sixty nine. You know, it's so funny about that, John. When I started the company in '93, and '93 Cobra was announced. That was my first. I bought a '93 Cobra. That was an X Ford test car, by the way, um, on the old on the old B lot, and uh, still have it today. But in '93, we were saying this is the glory days. You know, two hundred and thirty five horsepower. Who would have ever thought, right? (laughs) Yeah. And and um, then it just kept get better and better and better and better. And it just, even today, right here I am 29 years later and it's still getting better and better and better and better. It's just crazy when you look at it.
0: It's it's a great uh, run, man. And and it's because of folks like you, Mark Wilson of uh, Ford Vehicle Personalization. uh, We do all, all of us out here, they may not know your name, but they certainly will feel your presence in the marketplace. And Mark, we want to Really thank you for the work that you do in the enthusiast community and for Ford. And then also just hanging around with us every once in a while. It is a lot of fun.
2: Well, thanks for having me. And thanks to everybody out there for being an enthusiast. We, we really do appreciate it. And well, hopefully, I a... run in, hopefully I run into people at uh, either the racetrack, Woodward, uh, car show anywhere. Um, feel free to come up and say hi and uh, tell me what you like and what you don't like about your Mustang or, or Bronco or whatever else, what other vehicle we have.
0: Right. I think here. that's why Mike Ray invites you to all these events because he hey that that guy works at Ford.
2: let me go talk to him. he does yeah he does <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice work Mike and nice work uh for all the things you do I really appreciate your time tonight again uh, our thanks to Mark Wilson so ladies and gentlemen I hope you enjoyed our podcast tonight on the Mustang owners podcast and uh maybe learned a little bit about what goes on behind the scenes at Ford Motor Company for the enthusiasts so until next time just hope to see you down the road